Welcome to On the Spot with Melinda Garvey, the On the Dot interview series where we sit down with some of the most intriguing and interesting women to watch, featured in our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On the Dot. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of On the Spot, available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. Today, I'm chatting with collaboration consultant, podcaster, and workshop instructor, Bailey Hancock. Without further ado, let's start the show. Welcome, everyone. I am really excited on today's On the Spot with Melinda Garvey to welcome Bailey Hancock. And she has a super cool title. It's a collaboration consultant. And I love that title because it has so many really cool meanings. And I'm excited, Bailey, for you to get to tell us all what you do and what your focus is and sort of how you got to where you are. So welcome to the show today. Really excited to have you. Thank you so much. I'm incredibly excited to be here and I'm glad you like the title. I made it up myself, so. (laughs) Well, just diving into that because I think it really is so much about who you are as a person now, but also sort of where you came from because this sort you were always were this collaboration. That was always your your MO, right? So tell us a little bit about that, just how that evolved and how you actually, you know, took all those things that the teachers were annoyed at in early life and made it into a career. Well, you know, when you're growing up, you know, like five jobs, right? And on my podcast, I ask people right away, like, what did you want to be when you grew up? And it's basically the same answers, like performer, teacher, um, astronaut, you know, vet. There's like all of those jobs that everybody goes to. And I think that's because we just didn't know what was out there. And to be fair, you know, most jobs that we have today didn't exist when we were little girls growing up. But I know that from the beginning, I've always been somebody that loved bringing friends together, playing well with others. That was always, you know, on the report card. You know, I definitely had the the remark on my report card, bright student, but talks too much. Um, got that same thing. In fact, we used to have one, two, three, and I got a two minus <gasps> in talk because I was talkative. You know, and, and had we known we could turn that into a job, I mean, we would have been, I would have solved a lot of problems a lot earlier in my career. But yeah, I never thought that, you know, making friends for a living and, and talking to people could be a real job. But I found that satisfaction in other roles. So my first um, career path out of undergrad was as an event planner for an association. And so I did seminars and conferences and, you know, not the most thrilling types of events, but I got to travel the world. I got to meet so many different types of people that I was working with and in my travels. I would always end up with a new friend in one of the cities that I went to because I was traveling alone and, you know, would go out and meet a stranger and have them show me around. Events help you deal with, I mean, we do a couple of big major events and I'll tell you what, you have to be the master of being able to fix any situation, get people on your side, you know, when something explodes, get somebody to be happy. And that's really the skill in events. I mean, skill is in dealing with all the people. I 100% agree. It's putting out fires on site, metaphorical or actual. It's a lot of uh, problem solving on the spot. And I will say it's a lot of dealing with a lot of different personality types and making sure that everybody is happy, which is hard to do. But I could see that collaborative nature come out in me because it served me very well in that type of role. And then when I came out to Los Angeles, I'm born and raised in Florida and moved out to Los Angeles about eight years ago. I got out here and really had no idea what I wanted to do with my career. I had just graduated from my MBA program, but I didn't really want to go back to a nine to five. And I was I was feeling very lost at the time. But every job I took, and that includes waiting tables and bartending and doing social media on the side for some people, I always 
managed to accomplish that and get those types of roles through my network and through collaborating with others and finding ways to work with other people in a way that's going to serve both of their purposes. So I always found a way to do things collaboratively. That was like the lens I put on to every job I had, but it wasn't until the last couple of years that I finally realized like, wait, this is a skill in of itself that I can actually really take hold of. Well, and I think that the interesting thing about this, and I had lengthy conversations in our office because I work with a lot of millennial women, and this particular thing is a big challenge for millennial women. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're, it's not that they don't want to be collaborative, but I think electronics and everything that you grew up with, it just is very different from my world where when you were networking for a job, I, I didn't go online and type in and, and search and ping people on LinkedIn. I didn't have that. I had to pick up the phone. I had to go meet somebody. And I think that, you know, I've actually been talking to my team and a lot of that art is really lost. of like, how do you make these real connections? And the number one question I get asked from young women is how do I find my tribe? Mm. How do I find my people? You know? So I think it's amazing what you're doing and especially, you know, being in that millennial group and being able to work with these incredible women. So and I will say this, like, yes, there there are some skills that I think are rustier in this generation because we haven't had to have as much one-on-one contact. However, women by nature are naturally collaborative. Like yeah. we have always, since the dawn of time, had to work with each other to survive, whether it was helping each other raise our families or preparing the food or making the home or whatever it was. You know, we've always found ways to support one another. And I think within the last like hundred or so years, that was stamped out a bit. And I really see it rising right now in all of the female entrepreneur spaces I'm in, women's empowerment spaces, this collaboration over competition, you know, hashtag is really being put into practice. And I think I'm very fortunate that I stumbled upon this as a career option when I did because I'm starting to see the hunger for it among women in every type of, you know, career path, be it working for a company or having their own. People want support. They want commiseration. They want to help one another rise. That's how we're going to, you know, make feminism a thing. That's how we're going to get equality in this world is by supporting and uplifting one another. That's right. Well, and I talk a lot about in, in, in our work about just getting to this mindset of abundance. And I think that so much of the sort of the bad rap of, you know, the queen bee syndrome and the women who are, you know, elbowing their way up yeah. and stepping over other women on the way comes from a place of scarcity. When you feel like, hey, there is one job up there that, that a woman can get and I'm, I'm going to push everybody instead of it is such an open playing field. I don't need to feel that way. I don't need to feel that competition. I can go into this collaboration mode. And I do think that it's a super powerful change of mindset. I mean, you're dead on. Like it's the scarcity mindset. It's feeling like, well, if I promote them, then maybe all of my clients will go their way. And it's just simply not true. It's not the case. Or it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you feel like you don't have enough, then therefore you don't. But I will say in my circles where, you know, there are a ton of women who do similar things. I mean, I have a lot of photographer friends. I have a lot of branding expert friends and coaches and mentors, things like that. 
And I will say like, they all do things slightly differently from each other. They all have their own unique flavor that they put on their service or their product. So, you know, that's my favorite part about teaching collaboration is finding the middle piece on the Venn diagram, the overlapping pieces of your two circles. And usually what you're looking for there is an overlap of mission, values, and audience. And then the outside parts are how you go about the thing that you do. So your execution and your offering. And if you can find that overlap, which I believe you can find with anybody, any competing company even, then you have a really beautiful place to start from to collaborate with one another. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about job searching and the job scene for millennials because it's a little bit different. And I know that you do some speaking on that and some some coaching on that. And I don't know, um, I know you've got a couple of courses too. So I wanna, I wanna get to talking about those and how those relate. But what do you think is sort of, different now and how should millennials sort of approach hunting for jobs and careers and figuring it all out? Well, first and foremost, I think dropping the idea that you can figure it all out because that's impossible. The moment you have a grip on it, it's going to change anyway. So I'm a much bigger proponent of remaining flexible and adaptable and really staying in touch with what you as an individual human being need and want from a job and a career. And if you can stay in touch with that, there are opportunities abound, right? There are so many types of jobs, so many types of companies. There's remote work now, like freelance economy has just boomed in the last five, 10 years. So it's certainly not for lack of opportunity. I think what people get really wrapped up in is that whole, I I need to figure out my life or I need to figure out my career. I need to, you know, make my plan for how I'm going to spend the next 40 years. And it's just frankly a fool's errand. It's impossible. There are too many variables. So instead, in addition to remaining flexible and adaptable and like staying in touch with what you need, I cannot emphasize it enough. It's leaning on your community and your network and helping them help you find roles and companies that are going to be a good match for you today, not you of 10 years ago, not you 10 years in the future, but who you are and what you want right now. Great advice. It is great advice to stay flexible. And I think that a lot of the older millennial women I talk about, we actually just did a, a, a little research study and um, I was kind of blown back by it. It was just a little survey, not a, not a research study. That sounds way too, you know, fancy. But um, surveyed millennial women and they do feel lost and they, they feel mm-hmm. unhappy and that they're not advancing. They're not where they should be, mm-hmm. you know, and figuring out, you know, where should they be? What should they be doing? I so resonate with that. Yeah. Yeah, and just getting into that that mindset that you don't have to have it all figured out. But I think that one of the things that I try to talk to to my team and other young women that I mentor is wherever you are, embrace that and yes. learn everything you can and just always leave on the high road because back to your point about building your network, all of those people become then your network, right? Yeah. And so it may be, just a terrible fit of a job, but doesn't mean you can't excel at it and learn from it and be in that space where you are and be happy, right? And we at least feel we're getting something out of it, even if we know it's not a fit, doesn't have to mean unhappiness. A hundred percent. I have had some jobs that I absolutely was miserable in, but I've gained some amazing friends from those coworkers. Um, I've gotten opportunities that have come from something I did while at that job. I've made connections. And so I always tell people like, if you hate your job, never lower yourself to a place where you're coming in angry or grumpy or disgruntled because people are still going to remember you, you know, as you were in that role. So should you put up with a job that you absolutely hate? No, of course not. Be looking for something else. But while you're there, 
still bring your A game, like still be the best version of you because people will stay in touch with you. You'll stay in touch with your coworkers. I mean, should you choose to? I always do because guess what? People don't stay at jobs for that long anymore. So everybody's going to go on to a new company and you never know when you're going to need a door open for you. And oh my God, I used to work with that guy. Like he's going to totally open the back door for me so that I can get in, which has happened to me so many times, even going from working for companies to being an entrepreneur, I've gotten clients from past coworkers who have gone on to work at really impressive companies that I frankly had no business getting in front of, but I did because I made a great impression and we maintained our friendship and when things got hard at the job that we were both at, we commiserated with one another, but we kept each other, you know, supported and at least enjoying being with one another throughout the day, even if the job itself was just horrible. Right. Now, I think it's an important lesson just about keeping up those contacts because it is hard in this world we live in. I mean, in a way, it's easier, I suppose, because we've got Facebook and that kind of thing, but it's harder maybe to keep the real connection. It's different. Yeah, you're right. I think that's what it is. You're not seeing people in person as much as maybe people used to, but Your network is also massively larger thanks to the internet, which I'm so grateful for. I live and die by LinkedIn. Everybody I meet, I connect with there because it helps me, A, as a collaboration consultant, get to just about anybody within one to two degrees of separation, which is very fun and really cool and gratifying. And B, it it makes you feel like the world is not as huge as it is, right? Right. When you're like, I could go to any city in America and have somebody there that I know, even if it's through, you know, a friend of a friend, like never feeling like you're ever really truly alone anywhere is really cool. And knowing that like you have a web of people out there that are willing to support you. I think it's just the greatest thing ever. Absolutely. So um, you have, I guess, two courses, is that correct? The career experiment and the one-year career. So talk a little bit about those and how they came to be. Both grew out of necessity. The career experiment started out when I was in one of those horrible, no good jobs where it was just total wrong culture fit, bad environment. The role was not as it was advertised. And I knew day three that I hated the job and I needed out, but I was paralyzed because I was like, well, I just took this job. I'm going to look like such a flake. I'm going to look like I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, I care far less now what people think and what I look like. But uh, at the time I felt this awful, you know, sadness weigh on me because suddenly I was like, well, crap, I have to stick it out, you know, at least for a year or at least two years or whatever. So I don't look like a job hopper, but I didn't have any idea what I was going to go to next because this job on paper should have been perfect. So what I ended up doing was creating this strategy for myself where I was trying to figure out what my next career move should be. And the career experiment grew out of that. And the, the basic framework of it is aligning your strengths to a role. So just doing something you're inherently good at without trying very hard, your passions and your interests to an industry, because I hate the advice, follow your passion, because it doesn't tell you anything. What do you do once you found it? Then what? Instead, it's like, well, let your passion influence you in a way that's going to tell you, okay, well, you know, if I'm really passionate about food, that doesn't mean I should go be a chef. Perhaps I should go be an accountant for a restaurant or I should go work in, you know, food supply or agriculture. You know, there's so many more doors that open when you're like, I'm passionate about this subject. Where is this subject? The thing that we focus on, what industry supports that? And then the third piece is aligning your core motivators to a company culture. So what do you need to get day in and day out to be happy in a job? Is that, you know, perks? Is it flexible work schedule? Is it remote work? Is it lots of vacation time, professional development opportunities? You name it, it's totally up to you. 
but you need to make sure that you're in an environment that's going to support that. And what happened was (laughs) I did this strategy for myself. And what it told me was I need to go do collaboration consulting. Basically, I was great at partnerships and networking. Um, I was passionate about entrepreneurship, startups, helping people. And the company culture piece was, I just really need to work on my own for a bit. I need to like set my own compass and being a- be able to achieve the goals that I put out for myself. So that happened, which is great. And that's currently what I'm doing. But I also created this course accidentally out of it because I started talking to friends about it and they were like, wait, can you s- slow down? Say that part over again. How do I do this for myself? So I taught it for about a year in person and then turned it into an online workshop. So that is available. It's the career experiment, figure out your best next move. And that goes back to not figuring out your whole career. It's like work on one job at a time, people. That's all we really need to focus on one day at a time, one job at a time. And then the one year career is make big moves with small steps. Because what I identified was after teaching this course to so many people, they were ready with their plan, but a lot of them didn't know how to implement that plan. They knew what they wanted to do next, but they didn't know how to get there. They saw this massive gap between where they were today and where they wanted to be and couldn't quite put the pieces together. So the one-year career is exactly that. It's helping people take a look at their career throughout the next year timeframe and figure out all the small steps they needed to take to make that big move. And so they really complement each other nicely. They can also be, you know, done individually. But yeah, they grew out of my own need for answers for myself, my own frustration. And frankly, I think that's the best way to create anything is knowing that you're solving at least your problem. (laughs) (laughs) That finding, finding your passion, finding your own problem and solving it. That's a great way to start a career, I think. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's awesome. What would you say out of so many amazing pieces of advice? I mean, do you have one kind of standby, like if you do nothing else, this would be what I would advise you to do? For your career? Um, I think following your curiosity uh, is probably the number one most simplified way to think about all of it is pay attention to what captivates you and what you're reading about when nobody's forcing you to and what websites do you go to and what newsletters do you read you know, what just draws you in? Is there a thing that you're just in, like insatiably fascinated with? Because those are clues. That's mm-hmm. clues for that industry piece, if nothing else. And right. I think, you know, people put so much emphasis on the particular role. But I think if you lean into the things that you're good at, like just go with what comes naturally to you. I love the Strengths Finder assessment because it really hones in on that. It's like, these are your top five strengths. Don't worry about making your weaknesses better. Just focus on really doubling down on your strengths. So if you can find a role that just suits your natural inclinations and then layer in that curiosity piece, then you're going to end up with at least two of the three of those, you know, frameworks. And then you can find a company that actually fits your needs from there. But following your curiosity and paying attention to it throughout your career, I think is how you maintain your happiness professionally for the 40 plus years that we're all going to end up working. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or plus, plus, plus. I know. don't think most of us will retire. I think millennials won't be able to, but also probably won't want to. I yeah. think one of the things we get knocked for is, you know, going on all these trips and having these experiences that people used to wait until retirement to do. So it's almost like we're living the retirement life in our younger years. So I think there won't be as much of a need to just stop working because we won't have worked ourselves to the bone for 40 plus years. We will have had a nice little balance of life and experience and work and and achievement. At least that's my theory. I I don't know that I will ever retire and I think I'll be okay with that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. 
Well, so specifically to um, our entrepreneurial women who are listening today, um, now that you've delved into this, so obviously you do a lot of people with career and jobs and companies, and you've had a lot of those, but as an entrepreneur, what is your most favorite thing? And then what's your least favorite thing about being an entrepreneur? Well, the most favorite is getting to be in charge of how I spend my days. I think that to me is what freedom means and what satisfaction and fulfillment is being the one that decides when I wake up, where am I going to work today? What am I going to work on? Who am I going to work with? Like that's thrilling to me. That is freedom that I didn't know I needed desperately when I was working for somebody else. The worst part is, especially in the beginning, everything's on you. So yes, you can decide what you want to do, but chances are you have a to-do list, you know, a mile long of things that need to happen. And so you're shackled in different ways, right? People that think, oh, entrepreneurship, I have friends that still don't really get it. And they're like, oh, it must be nice. You can just da-da-da-da-da, come and go and do-da-da. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, I'm never not working, even if it's I'm just thinking about it and the things I need to do or trying to brainstorm ways to solve a problem or, oh, gosh, did I follow up with that person? And, oh, crap, I owe that person a proposal or You know, there's always more that you can do. I really discourage people from becoming entrepreneurs. And I do that because there's so much pro entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. stuff out in the world right now. Like that message is so strong that I try and be brutally honest and say like, listen, this is not for everybody. Like I happen to love opening my laptop on the weekend and just like cranking out some work because the emails have slowed down. But for other people, that sounds horrible. They love coming home at five, kicking off their shoes, pouring a glass of wine and like disconnecting. Whereas my husband has to like drag me out of my office and I will keep working until midnight if he let me. But thank goodness I have somebody being like, hey, remember you should eat and go to bed. So it's challenging. But if you're up for that challenge, it's kind of the best. I agree. I'm with you there, but it definitely has the the crazy times. That's for sure. Oh man. So what's next for you? I know you have your, your Bailey Hancock HQ and you do a lot of different things under that umbrella. So sort of what's, what's your next big thing? Yeah, I'm very excited. I'm about to launch a new program called Expertise for Exposure, Gain Credibility Through Collaboration and Grow Your Business. And again, this grew out of a need. I have never paid for marketing or promotion for my business. And I'm coming up on my two-year anniversary. Everything's been through my network, through referrals, just, you know, being out in the community and in the world. And I love speaking. I love teaching. I love, I have a podcast. I love being on podcasts. This is my 13th podcast for 2018 that I've been on. And so what I saw though from that was like, that's how I'm growing my business is I'm just being out there. I'm being on stage or on panels or guest blog posting or being on other people's podcasts, doing Facebook and Instagram lives with well-aligned communities. And people kept asking me, how do you get these opportunities? How do you do it? How do you get asked to be on these things? And I'm like, well, I don't know. You just, you just do it. And enough people started asking me that I was like, all right, maybe there's something to teach here. And with all of my one-on-one collaboration consulting clients who are mostly female service-based entrepreneurs, this was always a tactic among many that I gave them in their collaboration strategy, but it's the one that everybody got most excited about. The idea that they could share their knowledge and their expertise in exchange for promotion and exposure for their business. So it felt more organic. It felt like people got to know them as a human first and then could fall in love with their brand and their company after. It's such an effective way of creating a bigger community for yourself because you're leveraging the trust that your partners, and in this case right now on this podcast, you are my partner, 
I'm getting to leverage the trust you've already built with your listeners. Because if I'm on the show, it means you've given me a thumbs up and you're saying, yes, I believe in you. You can come on and talk to my people. So the people listening automatically are like, well, Melinda said she's cool. I don't have to worry about that. Whereas traditional marketing, people are inherently skeptical when they see a promoted post or an ad. So the new program is going to be a 10-week program, part virtual, part one-on-one uh, weekly calls with me. And it's it's super close to being ready for public consumption. But that is what I've been focusing the most on. And I'm seriously more excited about this than I have been in a really long time because I'm insanely passionate about helping women really own their story, own their expertise and their knowledge and make money. Like money is power. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like we've all shied away from making money for so long. Oh God. Cause that's gross. And that's like, ugh, it's not ladylike. And I'm here to be like, listen, ladies, you all have something you can share with the world. You are more of an expert than you know. I, I don't even like the word expert because it implies that like, you know, everything there is to know. And if you haven't gathered this yet, I don't believe there's ever like, you can never know it all. So instead it's like lean into your expertise. Like you have something you can teach the world. And of course, draw attention back to whatever it is you're trying to do in your career, be it sell a product, grow a community or get promoted or, you know, get speaking opportunities. So I just can't wait to see the women come through this program who need this and want this and actually feel ready to go out there and get on stage and own her story and share what she's got with the world. So where can our listeners find you and all this great stuff you have to offer? So I'm at baileyhancock.com. That's Bailey with no E. So B-A-I-L-Y Hancock.com. That's my Instagram handle. That's my Facebook page. That's Twitter. That's everything. I was lucky in that my mom spelled my name weird. So I got to have Bailey Hancock <laughs> on all the platforms. Um, but yeah, please come find me, say hello, you know, find me on LinkedIn. Let's connect, just reference how you know about me in the message, which is a very important thing people forget to do um, when reaching out to a stranger. So I would love to connect with your community. I, I'm such a fan of on the dot. So thank you so much. Remember everybody that Bailey is all about collaboration. So, you know, this is a great opportunity to have someone who, who is, you know, open to that and teaches that to collaborate with. So thank you so much. And thank you for sharing all this great information. I, I just think that, that all the different things you do. I mean, I'm like way down in my career and I'm like, well, I, I want to do that career thing and see. Good. Well, you should never stop learning and growing because you're going to keep changing till you're dead. Like that's what we do as humans. We keep evolving. And if you're working off blueprints you created when you were 18, which so many of us do, of course, you're not going to feel aligned with what you do in your life. Like, my God, I changed so much year to year, let alone, you know, throughout my entire career. So that's wonderful. I really appreciate all the great information. Thank you so much. We will look forward to seeing everything that you have coming up and what you're doing. Thanks so much, Melinda. Looking for more inspiration, advice, and direction? Subscribe to our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot, where we provide you with the tools and motivation you need to get out there and be the badass boss babe you are meant to be. Catch us next Thursday, where we sit down with the board chair of Vote Run Lead and Fox News political contributor, Jammu Green. We're focused on your success. So let us know what you think by chatting with us at On The Dot Woman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We'd love to hear your voice.